Here's a message from Ken Lavica. Wait, what, what's that? I, I think I hear something out of Southern California. Who has it better than us? Nobody! Oh my goodness. Stone hit the open. Just like you would expect, the fire hose is fully inserted in my mouth here, and uh, we've been blown and gone, and so... Ken Lavica. Get a run in, make an early cocktail, put a gummy in half. Theo Dorsey. Very excited to have the opportunity to add him to the team. Stone... Live from the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios. It doesn't matter what your name is! It's Lavica, Theo, and... On ESPN 1063. Oh. Wait, um, <laughs> well, Ken Levick, as you can tell right now, is is on the road, on his way back. Um, there ain't the no way. ESPN West Palm Studios, and and I'm Theo Dorsey. Uh, it's Big Teddy Takeover here on this Thursday afternoon, twelve to two, riding with you. And um, I, what what the hell was that? Stone, are you are you okay in there? <laughs> you know who that is. <laughs> For those who were listening yesterday and, and heard Dave MacGyver guess, Drew to get on the air, he typically has control over whatever audio is played on our radio station. Yeah. That is his job. Yeah. So uh, he did download that audio and obviously made his own little tweaks to it. What wow. I want to do is find that yeah. and redub it in because I do need to hear that one more time. And, and Dave's lucky yeah. we're on the air right now. <laughs> yesterday I said he knows exactly where I sit and if he wants to come find me, he can come find me, but... He's taking low blows there and things that I can't really change because I don't know how he did that and how he edited that so fast. Yeah. So uh, definitely got a bone to pick with Dave here. That one's uh, it's not funny. That's hilarious. Uh, well, actually, I wanted to start with the Jim Harbaugh hiring, him going to the Los Angeles Chargers and the many great things that that means for the NFL. Um, and I guess it's, uh, you know, people in Ann Arbor are fulfilled, so they're okay with this. Um, but we do have to address that. Um, in particular, because if you're hearing that open, you're probably wondering why was Stone Labanowitz's name bleeped out? Why would Dave McGrider Druda uh, do such a thing to our guy Stone Labanowitz on this show? And Stone, what you left out of that whole message you just gave people was the fact that um, coming out of a break yesterday when we had the full team here, Ken Levick and myself, Theo Dorsey and Stone Labanowitz, Stone, you uh, were beating your chest and were a little uh, boisterous about the fact that you you kind of bend the rules around here. Speaking of Jim Harbaugh, who's going to the Chargers, who is known for bending the rules, part of the reason why he's leaving the college football landscape and heading to the NFL is because he got caught breaking the rules yesterday in this very office at the ESPN West Palm Studios in the square. Uh, Stone Labanowitz was caught breaking the rules. We're not allowed to have coffee or any kind of liquid inside of the studios. He made fun of me for after every single break running outside of the studio, taking a sip of my nice, warm, hot coffee. And let me take a peek right quick, Stone. Yeah, it looks like our coffee machine is up and going today, so I can't wait to be doing that same thing. Stone bragged about the fact that he had some contraband within the control room. And you thought that Dave couldn't hear you. But he did. And now look at you. (sighs) This is what happens when you get caught. I mean, I guess, like, is that a message he's sending? Yeah, it's a message. Okay, well, listen to this message right here. <laughs> He's in the office, Stone. Don't do it again. Listen We're three here, Dave. minutes into the show. Listen here, Dave. He can't help himself. Next time you do something like that, things are going to get physical. Mm. And what I mean by that... Dave's two times Stone's size, by the way, <laughs> if, you're, if you're counting at home. Let's just say I don't appreciate that. Okay. And next time something like that happens again, yeah, there will be problems and probably uh, consequences. Okay, there we go. There we have it. The veiled threat from Stone Labanowitz to none other than our guy, Dave McGrider, 
Uh, uh, Dave McGruder? Do, do you even know who MacGyver is? MacGyver. Dave MacGyver Druda, our operations director. Do I know who MacGyver is? Of course I know who MacGyver is, Stone the Banowitz. As he pulls up his phone. You're trying to, to play me like hit, a fool? Like I actually, don't know who MacGyver is? To be honest with you, that kind of made... Ah! Dave has stepped into the studio. To be honest with you, I kind of... How's everybody doing today? (laughs) Yes. Everybody having a good show? The young war hero, Angus. Everything going well? Thank you, Dave. Dave. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. good? Thank you for... (laughs) I can't really hear you right now, Theo, but I assume you're not saying anything unflattering towards me. Yeah, of course, no. Correct? Yeah. You're the guy. This is the second straight day he's bursted in like the Kool-Aid man and uh, (laughs) completely... Flustered Stone the Bandwidth. So as we try and get the, the show back a, on the rails. You a heck of a good show. All right? Thank you. Good show, Thank Dad. you, Dave. And remember, I'm always around. I'm always here oh. for you. Thank you, Bye, Dave. Oh. By the way, again, if you're scoring at home, Dave, Stone just, I mean, 30 seconds ago said things would get physical with Dave. Dave was right over his shoulder and Stone did nothing. So oh. can't say I'm, I'm not surprised, but I am a little disappointed. <laughs> Anything you have to say for yourself, Stone? No. Uh, did you learn your lesson yet? No, Dave's twice my size. Yeah. I think that's probably the last time I threatened him. <laughs> or if I catch him like not looking and put him in a chokehold, I'll do that. So did you Google who MacGyver was? I didn't Google it, but I can tell you he was in a TV series in the 80s, man, and he was just that guy. I mean, Angus, MacGyver, extraordinary knack for unconventional problem solving, and that's what Dave does here. So that's why I get the nickname. Uh, let's, let's, let's get back on the rails here, get back on the tracks. Because today is a monumentous day in the landscape of the NFL. And it is not just because of the fact that Jim Harbaugh is making his way from Ann Arbor to Southern California to coach Justin Herbert and those very challenged, very, um, a lot of people would say, cursed Los Angeles Chargers these days. It's also two days away from his very own brother, I guess three days away from Championship Sunday in the NFL, from Jim Harbaugh's brother, John Harbaugh, to coach his Baltimore Ravens, who are favored at home against the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, in a, in, in a sense, putting a dent into what we all believe is a budding dynasty in the NFL. Now, Stone Labanowitz, you, um, you, it's safe to say you get a little annoyed of my praise of the Kansas City Chiefs on these air, uh, radio airwaves here in South Florida. I guess, I guess if that's how you want to word it, uh, <laughs> sure, I'll just go with sure. Let's go with it. He's a little annoyed with how much I love to sing the praises of Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, but I cannot help myself. Uh, we all know what the Chiefs represent in today's landscape in the NFL, and that is a budding dynasty. Now, even as the biggest Chiefs fan, um, in this office, at least I can say that that's not even true. Even as we the have a lifelong Chief, it, well, Chiefs fan, and Cyrus Whitting. All right, Cyrus Whitting's the biggest Chiefs each fan. Each and every week, who's actually from the area, he's yeah. been a Chiefs fan. I'm from the area as well. You see, that's the arrogance I'm talking about, right there. You even, just called yourself the biggest Chiefs fan in the office. It, you're not in this studio. I'm the biggest <laughs> Chiefs fan right now, <laughs> and you're the only one in the studio. <laughs> it's me, you. It's me and you, and I'm the biggest Chiefs supporter in this studio. I can admit that the Kansas City Chiefs, as of today are not a dynasty. Ooh. They're not. Are they to you? Yeah, I mean, it definitely depends how you define dynasty and what the criteria is. I would tell you yes, because I can forecast what's going to happen over the next but five to ten years. But you're forecasting. If it ends today, I'm saying, they're not a current... If, if it ended tomorrow or this weekend and they don't make it back to that stage again and win another Super Bowl, you can say two Super Bowls don't constitute a dynasty in the NFL. A uh, dynasty is three of them? Yeah. Yeah, right. So that's the criteria. That's like the consensus for what a dynasty is. So I guess by default, yeah, they're not a dynasty. They're not a dynasty as currently 
stated, we all can project and see that what the Kansas City Chiefs have had going over the past five or six years since Patrick Mahomes took over with the leadership of Andy Reid and also literally what they've done in the past two seasons, it feels like they are the biggest budding dynasty in the NFL right now and really in all of the major professional sports. The Kansas City Chiefs are well on their way to being one of those dynasties we talk about from decades and decades and decades to come. The question today really is, who's the biggest threat to the Mahomes dynasty? Who is the biggest threat to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs really exacting what a dynasty can be in the NFL and replicating what Tom Brady did over the past two decades and on the heels of a Jim Harbaugh hiring in Los Angeles and as we approach this championship Sunday in the NFL where the Chiefs have to head up to Baltimore and face not only Lamar Jackson, but John Harbaugh, who has been a staple and a legendary coach yeah. in this league. What I have to come to you and say today as an honest man, as, as a person that is a, the second biggest Chiefs fan at ESPN West Palm, the biggest crux or the biggest pitfall that could be for this Mahomes dynasty, the biggest threat is the Harbaugh. Not just one, but two. And you know what it is? It's really that chant. Can we get the drop again from the Harbaugh's? That thing right there, it, it just uh, it, it makes me shiver. It makes me a bit nervous, especially as a Chiefs fan, because knowing that the great dynasties in all of the major sports in America, they usually don't come at the contention of just one person, one team, one organization. It's usually multiple teams. It usually takes different challengers at different times. So often in the beginning of this Chiefs dynasty, people pontificated that it would be the Buffalo Bills or the Cincinnati Bengals because of Josh Allen and because of Joe Burrow that would be the biggest threat to Mahomes having an actual dynastic run in the NFL today. But I w I'm here to tell you that Patrick Mahomes' biggest threat is the Harbaugh's. The Harbaugh's as a family because as of today, as we sit here at 12, 10 p.m. Eastern, Jim Harbaugh is the coach of the Los Angeles Chargers with a franchise quarterback, a legit stud, and Justin Herbert at the helm, 25 years old, has all the tools, and Jim Harbaugh likely going to be the guy that is the L.A. Chargers. If you don't believe that, because the fact that they don't have a general manager right now, Stone Lebanowitz, and they hired Harbaugh before they went and fixed and figured out who they wanted to have at the GM spot, and the fact that Jim Harbaugh, no matter where he goes, it seems like that team or organization takes on his identity. The Los Angeles Chargers today are now Jim Harbaugh. They're whatever the heck he, they want, he wants them to be, and it feels like whatever his vision is for that team, that's what you're going to go up against every Sunday when you face the Chargers. Yeah, and we have this conversation all the time about the Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell, the physicality, the toughness that he brings to the table, the identity that mm. the team has, I don't know, surrounded itself with and ultimately become. That's exactly what Harbaugh is going to do to L.A. And He's going to bring in the physicality, the toughness, the staff, all of that thing. This team's going to change at the snap of a finger, and I think, for the better. And then you look across at the other Harbaugh with the Baltimore Ravens, and what team is better suited to be contending for the next five, seven, ten years than that squad out in Baltimore that already has the identity of John Harbaugh all throughout the threads of that team in that locker room. But beyond that, they've got their franchise quarterback in Lamar Jackson, who right now in the NFL, there's only two or three guys you can say can contend with Patrick Mahomes at that elite level. Lamar Jackson is one of them. There's only one person who has a uh, there's only one person who has a higher winning percentage in the NFL since Lamar Jackson stepped on the field for the Ravens, and that is Patrick Mahomes. 
Lamar Jackson is shaping himself up to be one of the biggest rivals to Mahomes over this next decade. And you look at that Ravens roster, and no matter what happens, how depleted they are, how many injuries ravage that locker room, it seems like every single year they are a contender. Lamar Jackson now, Roquan Smith, and you have young guys like Zay Flowers in there. You have Kyle Hamilton on the back end of that defense. That team isn't just good. They're young, and they have been this year maybe the most dominant team in the NFL. And Stone, how did we overlook this all throughout the season? The Ravens? If you ask all the nerds, they say all the statistics points to them being one of the biggest and most strongest powerhouses of a squad this year. If you ask the football junkies, the dudes who don't care about the stats or analytics, but they care about what happens on the field. Look at the three teams that are remaining outside of the Ravens right now in the NFL. The San Francisco 49ers. We saw what the Ravens did to them, and that was embarrassing. The Detroit Lions. That might have been even worse than what the uh, Ravens did to the Niners. It just wasn't on primetime television if you go back and look at what happened to them in the middle of the season. And then there is the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a behemoth of a squad. They're also super young, and they have the organizational structure top to bottom that feels not just consistent, but also damn good. That Ravens squad is not going to just be a problem this year, but for years to come. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, it's hard to dispute in itself, but when you look at Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and their head-to-head matchup it's fifth time they've been played uh, Mahomes lead the series three to one and if this goes four to one and Lamar has one win against Patrick Mahomes that dating all the way back to 2021 in week two again I think we're allowed to have the same conversation we have in regards to Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen with Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes like yeah. if, if you've won one game in 2021 and we're supposed to talk about this being a budding rivalry how's it a rivalry if he continues to win and now it's you know four straight so it's tough for me to do that. They're favored. They should win this game, as was Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. They are the better team. And I think Lamar and this Ravens team is a, I'm not willing to say two times of a better defense than the Buffalo Bills do because the Buffalo oh, they, Bills they might no slouches, but they, but they, they might. might. Because the Bills might. defense was also depleted, so I think that's something that gets lost in the sauce. Yeah, and the Ravens is far from it. Yeah. So I think this is an opportunity to knock them off, but I think for years to come, Lamar's got to get the win over Patrick, and that same thing was copy and pasted from last week, but it applies, right? When you talk about Patrick Mahomes, this will be the first time, I think, if I have my stats in front of me. Now, this stat <laughs> makes absolutely no sense Stone to me. the stats guy here. Kansas City would be the first defending Super Bowl champion with multiple upset wins in a single postseason. I mean, wow. With multiple upset wins in a single postseason. So you're talking about a team who's just won a Super Bowl last February, and here we are fast forwarding, and they've been dogs two weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't make much sense what's going on with this Kansas City Chiefs team, but Lamar Jackson has the opportunity of a lifetime standing right in front of them. And if he does that, and you're right, he hasn't had the postseason success in general, but also specifically the success against Patrick Mahomes for him to be a rival today as it stands. Patrick Mahomes is in a class of his own right now. Yeah. But that's how all of the elites and the greats and the Mount Rushmore's of their sport are. And there are challengers that come and go. Um, That's the question today, though. Who is the biggest threat to a Mahomes dynasty in the NFL? Who or what? is the biggest threat to a Mahomes dynasty in the NFL. I say it's the Harbaugh's. It's between John and Jim. Uh, you tell me what you think it is. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Call into the show, LaVica, Theo, and Stone. Who's the biggest threat to a Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City Chiefs dynasty? As it stands now, the Chiefs have two Super Bowl wins under their belt. They have now won... Two playoff games. They're the first team to ever win two playoff games 
in six consecutive postseasons, and they also have been to six straight AFC Championship games looking to get to their, what, fourth Super Bowl in a five-year span if they can get past the Ravens this weekend. It's already an incredible run, but Stone, I just don't I, – I, I like to temper my – my my uh, verbiage in sports, right? Like all we have really on this side of sports is the conversation, is the debate. And when we use words like legendary, when we use words like great, but more specifically when we use the word dynasty, I like that criteria to feel like it actually means something. And two Super Bowl wins while it's been dominant and four Super Bowl appearances while it will be amazing, I think it does take that third Lombardi trophy in a short span to really consider yourself a dynasty. And I don't know if the Kansas City Chiefs are that as we stand here today. Yeah, what's funny is what would have been Patrick Mahomes' third Super Bowl and what would have made Kansas City a dynasty, one of them was taken away by uh, Mr. Tom Brady, yeah. which he earned number seven in that spot with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a, what, a 31-9 finish? Yeah. That was so, so had his opportunity to become a dynasty, I guess, going by cr- criteria, I personally would call it a dynasty right now because they're going nowhere. Mm-hmm. But when you pose the question, who's the biggest threat to a Mahomes dynasty, to this Kansas City Chiefs organization, like who can knock this team off? My answer is simple. And it's Patrick Mahomes' ACL. It's Patrick mm. Mahomes' MCL. It's Patrick Mahomes' PCL. It's his knees. It's his ankles. It's his shoulder. It's one of those things, having to get surgery and be out for a year. When you go through that roster and you look at the Blaine Gabberts, like that's the biggest threat to this Kansas City Chiefs team is the fact that Blaine Grabert would have to take snaps in a season that I think Chiefs fans and general NFL fans would deem a throwaway year Mm. because if you don't have the weapons around Patrick Mahomes right now and we're having these conversations now in January about going out and grabbing a Mike Evans, you can do all that, but if Blaine Gabbert is your starting quarterback in an AFC West that's going to continue to heat up, especially with Harbaugh making his way over and, and partnering up with Justin Herbert, there's the biggest threat. Yeah, to the Mahomes dynasty. It's his ACL, it's his MCL, it's his knees. It's having to sit out games and and, and require surgery. As funny as that sounds, I say that jokingly, but at the same time, I'm not at all because we've seen if this team's going to be an underdog, they can still win games regardless of where they play. 100% road record for Mahomes. So I think getting injured, uh, this is the biggest threat to the Mahomes dynasty, to be frank with you. that's And it's a really good call because if you think about it, there has been nothing else and it really feels like there's nothing else really standing firmly in Patrick Mahomes' way but his own health because he has three playoff losses in his career. Two of them are to Tom Brady, who is no longer in the league, and the other one is to Joe Burrow in an overtime loss where Mahomes had a chance to lead the Chiefs in on a drive with the ball in overtime, and he just looked like a shell of himself. I think that's the one time in his career where you can look at it and say, Mahomes, that playoff loss, that, that was kind of on you. The first loss to Brady in 2018 in the AFC Championship game, there was the D Ford offsides, right? And it's like, okay, if you don't get that offsides, you likely win the football game, you move on to the Super Bowl. We could be talking about a dynasty because of the first Super Bowl championship and not even the yeah. second one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then when you go back to the Buccaneers Super Bowl 31 to 9, you look at the result and you think Mahomes must have been terrible. But then you look at that offensive line and that makeshift roster they had at the lines, uh, and, and how bad he was just fighting for his life to get the ball off, and then the incredible amount of drops the Chiefs had. Yes, Mahomes could have probably been better, but that felt like the game was lost before they even snapped the ball. Yeah, it was, and we took a caller yesterday talking about the worst half that Patrick Mahomes has played, I believe it was in the Cincinnati game that you just talked yeah, about. it was bad. What's funny is I think a lot of people, because he did win this game, forget about the first half against the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson mm. when they find themselves down, what, 26, 27 zip? Yeah. And starting to scratch our heads like, oh, God. Like, those are the types of losses that that 
not going to say jolt you back a few steps and, and down the ranks a little bit because they don't necessarily. But I guess with recency bias and how media works nowadays, how we work nowadays, we're going to go off of what just happened. But that was his worst half of football. You can go back and point to these things, but I personally don't like when we do that. You can play a bad half of football. I mean, yeah. does it really matter? Um, the game is 60 the, minutes. The game, <laughs> and he finished. The game is 60 minutes, and Patrick Mahomes finished. Oh, so I, yeah. I think you know, we can sit here and have this conversation time and time again. <laughs> But seriously, though, the biggest threat to this Mahomes dynasty, and we saw how important it was for Patrick Mahomes to play while injured. Yeah. When he God, won a Super Bowl I, last year, hurt. Yeah. And Chad Henning, you look at that Jacksonville Jaguars game. What was that the divisional round last year yep. where he had to play a game with a sprained ankle? And people don't realize a sprained ankle is a lot worse than a broken ankle a lot of the time, at least from a pain perspective. So we saw that if Chad Henney. Or Blaine Gabbard or one of these guys have to play. This Kansas City Chiefs team is obviously not the same Kansas City Chiefs team that we know. And that's not saying anything wise, but the biggest threat is Mahomes coming up yeah. again and not being able to be in the lineup week in and week out. Stone LeBanowitz says it's Patrick Mahomes' health. I say it's the Harbaugh's. What do you think is the biggest threat to a Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City Chiefs dynasty? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. We have a packed show today. We're going to have Evan Cohen uh, join us in a few from Unsportsmanlike, 6 to 10 a.m. here on ESPN 106.3 with Michelle Smallman and Chris Canty. Later on, we're going to have Bucks reporter and NBA reporter for ESPN, Jamal Collier, join us and talk about what the hell is going on in, in Milwaukee with their coaching situation and um, that addition by subtraction, it feels like the Bucks felt last night. Uh, but again, the main thing right now, who is the biggest threat to a Mahomes dynasty 888-760-3776. We'll see you on the other side. It's Levicka Theo and Stone on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's Levicka Theo and Stone on ESPN 106.3. Is it love or is it shade? Is it love... Or, or somebody somebody kind of poking at me. Stone, I got something in the mail. <clears throat> got something in the mail recently. And when I opened it up and, and figured out what it was, it came from the sender was unknown, right? Came from directly whatever shop they got this from, this item. And it's been a few days. I've texted some close ones and some, some friends and family of mine. Nobody's owned up to sending it to me. And I really am wondering, still puzzled, is it love or is it shade? We'll, we'll get to that. Um, in a few. Also, we're still taking your calls and your social media on who is the biggest threat? Who or what is the biggest threat to a Patrick Mahomes dynasty in this NFL? Um, Stone says it's his health. I say it's the Harbaugh's. What say you? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. One thing I never have to question if it's love or hate is the Kaiser University Golf Center Uh. Kaiser University Golf Coaching Center has been one of the biggest blessings to me in this new year. My New Year's resolution, I've said it here. I've said it to friends. I've said it to family. I want to birdie a hole. I've never done it. I've golfed on and off the past two or three years. I stink stone. I mean, how would you grade my swing? You've seen it. Ooh, God. Um, Yeah, I know. I don't know what to say. Be gentle um, here. Be gentle. I'm, I'm, I'm your friend. Let's go see. Okay. And we'll be grading things maybe later on today if we get to it. He gives it a C. That's actually him being <laughs> it's him being fair to me. That is fair. I could have gone like a D. 
But my coach, you know what, Peter, let me change that. Let's go D. Okay, You're golf swing a D. Thank you. Thank you. That's more realistic. My coach, Peter, at the College University Golf Coaching Center, he's been working with me to get that thing up to maybe a B minus or so. Just get me to a point where I can get, work myself around the course. And it actually paid off. Last night, I actually did the lit nine at the park and I, I parred a hole. Ooh. We did nine holes. I parred one. A little on the green two putt action. Yes, sir. All right. Yes, sir. And it was it was a par three. So um I'll take that. I'll take that for what it is. We'll get to a birdie later on this year. But the biggest thing this year that I've learned, especially from my coach Pete, it's get in your think box, visualize the shot. Don't overthink it once you step over the ball. Don't take too long looking over that thing. You strike it with the mechanics you've worked on. And most importantly, most importantly, um, it's really just to get out of my own head. He's taught me a lot of tools to be able to do so. Uh, the College University Golf Coaching Center, they have the facilities, the tools, and the coaches you need. A 2,000-square-foot indoor training area, three hitting bays, a private classroom, ball flight analysis and technology, cutting-edge video. Everything they have in that place is going to help you get better, perfect your swing. People have already been hitting me up saying, hey, how can I get in with Coach Pete? I'll let you know how you can get in with Coach Pete. You can find out more. KaiserGolfCenter.com. It's in the heart of Palm Beach County off I-95 and the Turnpike. Who is the biggest threat to a Mahomes dynasty? Who is the biggest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes if they want to have a dynastic run? They got two Super Bowls. They need a third, This uh, hopefully this year. We'll see what happens. We're taking your calls. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And we've got Devontae. In Atlanta, on the phone lines. Vontae, first and foremost, man, how you doing on this Thursday afternoon, man, with your new uh, potential new coach in the wings? Um, and it's starting to feel like more and more it's Bill Belichick as you're a Falcons fan. I don't know. Uh, I don't feel good. <laughs> I hope they don't get him. <laughs> you know, so you don't want Belichick? Uh, no, nah, I don't I don't think, you know, where he his way, I don't think it's going to work in Atlanta. I really don't. Okay. I mean, we need something a little more young and stern at the same time. He's stuck in his ways. He would come there one day and look the whole facility, get rid of people he don't like. I'm not ready for that. Okay, okay. Well, you know what? With or without Belichick, I don't feel like the Falcons are the biggest threat or any threat at all to a Mahomes and Chiefs dynasty. But who do you think right now as it currently stands in the NFL is the biggest threat to a Kansas City Chiefs dynasty? I think it's the organization. It's the GM and the organization. Mm. Because if they try to keep riding this the uh, train that Mahomes can do anything with less, over time it's going to wear out. You think about this year, if it wasn't for that defense, even with Mahomes, they wouldn't be where they are. Mm. So they don't really have a lot around him. And if they continue to think that every year he can do it, he can do it, what, what's going to happen when Travis Kelsey retires? Mm. Do they have a plan for that? Like, I feel like they still have to build around him, and I don't think they are. That's a good and point. They need to get the cap issue together and everything. That's a that's a great point. I appreciate the call, Vontae. That's a that's something that a lot of people are saying. Because I check my social media at Theo Dorsey TV. Um, JD uh, tweets in here a bad GM. Um, I see another message here from OG Quattro. He says his brother. Which I don't know. I don't know how much Jackson can actually play into the results on Sundays, but I mean, it's not a good thing to having that guy on your side. But Vontae makes a good point here: the the GM Brett Veach and the ownership of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, the Hunt family, they might be one of the biggest threats if they don't continue to make the right decisions around the guy that clearly won't be the biggest threat. Because Stone, you say it will be his health, and I would say it's other teams. Yeah, it's. I think it is more so. 
Veach, the front office, than it is the other teams. I, I think if the hierarchy goes as such, Patrick Mahomes' health, I think that's at the forefront here. That's yeah. the most important thing. And we've seen that time and time again with quarterbacks. Some of them come back not the same. I do think it's the front office. After that, it's Veach. It's exactly what Devontae pointed out. And then three, it's the other teams coming up. Because until they show us that they can beat Patrick Mahomes, I don't think anybody's worthy of you know injecting themselves in the conversation. As much as you want to try to throw Lamar Jackson in there, Loses this weekend, he's 4-1. And one Mm. one of that came in a regular week two game that nobody really cared about or nobody put a lot of importance into. And Lamar Jackson wasn't playing at an MVP level at the time. So I think that that's the hierarchy there. I do want to address, though, Devontae, you talk about you're inching closer and closer. Adam Schefter was on Get Up this morning. I'm going to play the audio. And he talked about how as time goes on, Mm. the less likely it looks that it's Bill Belichick in Atlanta. Again, here's Adam Schefter on Get Up with Mike Greenberg only team that has an opening and the only one of the eight that had a vacancy during this hiring cycle that interviewed Bill Belichick was the Atlanta Falcons. And they interviewed him for a second time last Friday in person. And since then, the Falcons have paraded through a series of candidates for second interviews and other interviews and scheduled more and more talks with other candidates. That doesn't sound like a team that's ready to make a move on Bill Belichick. Now, coaching hiring cycles, they move in funny patterns sometimes. And sometimes a team starts out and a guy cools and comes back to him or isn't interested and then gets interested. Well, in this particular case, the Falcons have shown that they are interested in a lot of people. And in their own words, they described to me over the weekend that their coaching search after they met with Belichick for a second time is wide open. So if it's wide open after you've met with Bill Belichick twice, that certainly tells you that he's not the favorite for the job. He has not talked to any of the other three teams. So of the four teams with the remaining openings, there's the real possibility that he's not going to get any of these head coaching jobs. Now, Schefter makes a good point there. And I always think that, you know, a lot of these things that come out in the media or a lot of the way that these things play out, it's all a leverage game. We're still negotiating contracts. We're still negotiating power dynamics. You're when you think about the Atlanta Falcons, you're supposed to tell Adam Schefter that it's still "quote unquote" wide open. Yeah, you said what? You're supposed to tell Adam Schefter. Right. If he's talking about people in the Atlanta or- Atlanta Falcons organization. You're supposed to tell a guy like Schefter, "Hey, it's still wide open," yeah. even though it's not. So the, it doesn't sway me all that much. The Falcons would be fools to say we're locked in on Bill Belichick right now in the midst of a negotiation. Right. And, and Bill Belichick would be a fool himself to say that's the only organization I would prefer the coach. But he is, because he hasn't interviewed with anybody else, and, and I'm sure he's been offered. <laughs> because, honestly, if from the jump, it's felt like the Falcons are the best suit, the best suited team for a Bill Belichick type to come in there, get a new quarterback. It's a ready-made defense. They have a lot of weapons on offense. He can also take control of of some of the personnel decisions, I'm sure. And I don't, I don't strike uh, – Bill Belichick doesn't strike me as a guy that wants to sit out a year. Right, I, I I don't know if I agree with that. You think he would? I I do think he would. Hmm. Uh, what's if Shula's record is at thirteen and he's going to need a minimum two three seasons to get that? Are you saying that would be the reason that he's in the rush? I think uh, not that we're sitting here saying Bill Belichick. The only reason he's coming back to coach is to beat Don Shula's as a that's, that's a big part when he's coaching uh, <laughs> NFL history. Part. But I mean, we, I don't know if we can sit there and speak on Bill Belichick's motives, but. I think he's fine sitting out a, a year. He's still moving and grooving. I, obviously, he's not a young buck, but I, I think he could almost benefit from it. I think a lot of these guys can benefit from it. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to benefit mm. from being able to sit out and see the landscape of what's going on here. The the thing that interests the me with, did. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> you don't want to get into that. No, I we can get like, into that. Jordan Love benefited from sitting his ass on the pine and, and learning from Aaron Rodgers. And yes. then he reaped the, reaped the benefits yes, of yeah, it. Yeah, of course. So I think there's a bunch of ways to look at it. But the thing that interests me the most with Bill Belichick and the Atlanta Falcons is how, I don't know how to word this, how the NFL is slowly but surely becoming college football and the transfer portal and vice versa. Like, So Bill Belichick's just going to walk in there with a the free agent quarterback yeah. or, or buy a quarterback out of his contract and say, hey, let's go uh, play for the Atlanta Falcons. If it's, if it's somebody like Kirk Cousins, how's that conversation go? So that's Bill Belichick's agent getting at Kirk Cousins' agent and saying, hey, let's go do this thing in Atlanta. And now you're walking in there similar to how Lincoln Riley walked in there with this quarterback or how this – yeah. But head coach in college walked in with this quarterback. Like you're just bringing a guy. It doesn't take me as a a thing that Bill Belichick would do. But I think at this point, it's the only thing to do with Heineken and uh, you got him Heineken. No? <laughs> yeah, Sometimes Des- he looks drunk back there, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Desmond Ritter. Um, that's uh, it's why I scratch my head. Like why is Atlanta the best fit for Bill Belichick? He's got nobody playing quarterback. You're just supposed to walk in there with somebody. That's confusing to me. Well, look at the other coaching openings right now. Um, we we just learned. Can we get some breaking news here? Because we're talking NFC South. Breaking news on ESPN 106.3 is brought to you by St. Lucie Battery and Tire. If your vehicle has issues with braking or other issues, get it fixed right, right now at St. Lucie Battery and Tire. This from, I want to find the person who broke it first. Let's go with Ian Rappaport. The insiders on NFL Plus, the Panthers are moving to hire Bucks offensive coordinator Dave Canales. As their new head coach, Tampa Bay Bucks offensive coordinator Dave Canales, who orchestrated that Bucks offense with Baker Mayfield, who not only had a surprisingly good regular season, but then went in at home at Raymond James and absolutely obliterated that Eagles defense. Dave Canales parlaying that into the head coaching gig of the team that, well, he obliterated a couple times during the regular season, including in Week 18, to get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers into the playoffs. Dave Canales sealing up one of the last head coaching jobs left. Whew. Is that even does that move the needle at all for you, Stone? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know because I, I don't what know. you're basing the decision off of is, hey, look what he did with Baker Mayfield, right? Yeah. Four thousand yards, took him all the divisional round, beat a Philadelphia Eagles team, a defending, well, Super Bowl contending team in that Eagles squad, and. Yeah. Hey, come in here and fix Bryce Young. Like, woo! I, like, who's? I don't. I don't know if Panthers fans are going to be excited for that. You're a Panthers fan yourself, a giant one. Um, you've been <laughs> rocking with them through and through, so you'd know more than I. But yeah, I don't know. Are you expecting Canales to come and fix Bryce Young in week in year one? Because if that's the case, and, and you don't, Bryce Young's career is already over. Yeah, this is. I mean, uh, as quickly as franchises move on from quarterbacks these days, it does feel like even though Bryce Young was such a heralded pick out of Alabama, number one overall, and his rookie season started horribly but ended at least with a slitter of hope, if Dave Canales isn't able to find what works through Bryce Young in the first year, year and a half, right. yeah, we could be talking about the end of, of not the end of Bryce Young's career. We've seen guys it's hyperbole. fall off and come back, but the end of his run in Carolina, he has <laughs> Which, about a year and a half to prove himself now. <laughs> Just so scary to say out loud. Yeah, because if, if that's the the long lasting run, and I, my, one of my favorite exercises that we do in the NFL is, you know, if you took a CJ Stroud and put him in Carolina, what would that record be? Like, we can't do that. No, like we, you just can't so. do that. Like, it, it's so hard to do that. Texans fans, you can say that the team would have been better. Carolina fans, you can be like, oh my god, we we could have had CJ Stroud. You don't know. 
yeah. what how he would have played, you know, what player he would have turned into, all those types of things. But yeah, good luck, Dave Canales. Good luck, Bryce Young. On the other side, we're going to bring in Evan Cohen from Unsportsman. Like, we need to find out from him how he feels about that hire, and also, does he really believe Bill Belichick? I mean, Evan Cohen, there's no bigger supporter of Bill Belichick and, and really praiser of Bill Belichick that I know in my personal life than Evan Cohen. I really wonder if he feels like Belichick is wired to actually sit out a year if one of these coaching jobs don't happen. We'll get his opinion on that, and we will also pick his brain about um, specifically who is the biggest threat to a Mahomes dynasty. Still taking your calls on that. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. It's LaVica Theo and Stone on ESPN 106.3. Who has it better than us? No! From the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's LaVica, Theo, and Stone on ESPN 106.3. You know, the Ravens and Chargers are going to, they're scheduled to play each other next year. Um, so we're going to have one of those hardball bowls again like we had in the Super Bowl. And how annoying is the lead up going to be to that game with as many times as we're going to hear that chant? I mean, the Chargers already tweeted that thing out as soon as they hired, and they literally made Harbaugh the face of their franchise and the face of their Twitter slash X profile. They're going to be extremely annoying next year, huh? Yeah, he gets more love than Mama Kelsey, but it's the same thing, right? It lives in the same category. Yeah. It won't be annoying, though. I love it. I love it. Some of the stories that are coming out with them fighting, their childhood, all these things, I eat that content up. I can't lie. I do like that stuff. As a, it's as great. A, as a guy with brothers. It's great. It's the sibling rivalry stuff, the competition. It, it fuels you. It's fun. Um, speaking of annoying... <laughs> Am I going to get in trouble for saying that? I was about to give you the rim shot. Evan, thank you. Evan Cohen from Unsportsmanlike, 6 to 10 a.m. on ESPN 106.3 with Michelle Smallman and Chris Canty. He joins us right now. And Evan, um, first and foremost, You're man. You're not getting in trouble. That was the best intro I've ever had on this show. Well done. Well done, Theo. I am annoyed. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed by me. So I don't blame you. That's, and by the way. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. For you already dreading the Harbaugh versus Harbaugh matchup, let's play out just hypothetically. If Dwyer and Gardens were playing each other in any sport, men's, women's, doesn't matter, and there were siblings, siblings going up against each other, yep. all ESPN West Palm play would be leading up to that game <laughs> yeah. would be that, as it should be. So how can you, of all people, Someone that helps determine good content say that that is not interesting. Well, it's simple, Evan. I'm a hypocrite. Okay. Um, okay. All right. <laughs> now that we've that, okay. Um, can you uh, help help me come to an understanding on something? Because I'm I'm kind of confused. Uh, 24 years of nothing but success, six Super Bowl championships. Why does nobody want Bill Belichick? That's your guy. I. That's a great question. I don't understand it for the life of me. I've been asking NFL analysts at ESPN all the time about this. The answer that I have been given from both Harry Douglas today and then, who the heck was it yesterday? Somebody gave me this yesterday. I don't know. Oh, uh, Dominic Foxworth yeah. gave me this yesterday to ESPN NFL analysts. said, teams are likely afraid to hire him because he think, they think he will fire them. In other words, you're a general manager or team president. You secure Belichick. Belichick is really going to be hired by the owner, not the president and GM. He arrives, rightfully so, as you just mentioned, 20 years of iconic success. 
and he says, thanks for the time. Thanks for hiring me. Here are the three people that I'd like to run the, the football operations at these three positions. Mm. You're no longer welcome here. So I don't agree with that concept in terms of that it should be that way, but that may be the way that it's done. For example, if Stephanie Prince, the market manager at ESPN West Palm, is going after Stephen A. Smith, and it means that Stephen A. Smith coming in would make changes to the entire station on all sides of the station, sales, marketing, content, whatever it is, would you rather lose with loyalty or win with new people? Mm. And loyalty is always a debatable thing because what are you actually loyal to, the person or the product, the person or the success or lack thereof? Mm. And that's for the owners of these teams to then answer. So let's just use the case of the Atlanta Falcons. Arthur Blank is, is known, I think, in NFL circles, as a very nice man. Okay? He may be loyal to some of the people there. And may say, you know what, I, I don't have the, the ability to, to move in a different direction right now because I just can't do it. I understand that. I've been there. I get it. But then you're not building an organization for the goal of winning a Super Bowl. Now, that's okay if you're doing it for something else. My suggestion, if you have those people that you're extremely loyal to, loyal to excuse me, and you're nervous that Belichick would get rid of them, why can't you do both? Why can't you say, and we're going to hire Belichick, and you, person X, I'm going to move you into a different capacity with a different role. You're not going to be involved in this, but you can be involved in that, and everyone theoretically can win. That's what I would suggest doing. But to answer your question in a long-winded way, Theo, what I've been told is that they're not hiring Belichick because they don't want him to fire them. To fire and, and I will say this on that, you, you when you try to please everyone, you end up pleasing nobody. So that might be a bad situation, bringing in Belichick and making promises to your current guys. But uh, you make a good point. It, it would be a power struggle there. Stone, you, you feel like that's part of it as well? Yeah, Evan, I, I do want to ask, though, is there any part of you that thinks – teams think that Bill Belichick is a distraction? And I know that's a, a loaded wow. question, but are, are there some of these teams saying we just don't want any of the drama because it will become drama when he finds a new home first time in 24 years? Distraction in what way? In, winning? Like in, distracting you from losing? Winning or losing. Regardless, the distraction in every single type of way. The Tim Tebow distraction. It's all the same. I think when you bring Bill Belichick in, there are so many things that come with Bill Belichick. I mean, it's, it's uncharted waters for Bill. Yeah, I'm trying to understand how it would be a distract. I guess give me more detail. Don't give me the Tebow part of it. Give me Belichick shows. Let's use Atlanta, right? Belichick shows up. What happens that makes it distracting from football? I, I, so let's say let's say it is the Atlanta Falcons, right? You start the season off one and five, mm-hmm. and, and now the headlines. And here, look at the own stone on sports. Like you guys are starting to pose the questions. Is this Bill Belichick's last year? Is he going for the Shula? Like, like we have to have all of these random one-off headlines because this guy can't win games. Is this the last for Bill Belichick? And now you're an organization who's brought in Bill Belichick, and now there are questions circulating, is this his last year? Regardless of what you sign him on the contract, like I think everything that comes with Bill Belichick, Brady's name comes into the mix. All of the Robert Kraft stuff, what the Patriots are doing, all of the <laughs> there are just things that I feel like come with it. It's the same distraction. I think it's very similar, and I hate to say the Tebow, but regardless of who you want to bring in, the Cam Newton stuff, just think it's a little bit of a distraction if he's not winning games early on for the Falcons. Like I don't know how long you're willing to put up with it because he did nothing well in New England with Mac Jones. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I think distraction is the wrong word, maybe, because I think really what it's about 
is more so the concept of is it worth the relinquishing of power mm. for the lack of assumed results, Ooh. right? Because I think what Belichick actually does is garner you attention, but not distraction. And I think what he does is limit distraction by his increased power, if I had to kind of analyze it that way. And so I think that if you want to sign up for winning, you sign up for him. If you want to sign up for losing, you don't. That was that was a bar. I, I mean, that, I can't was nice. that was kind of a bar. That was nice. Although I don't remember anything it just said. It did sound yeah, good. It sounded great. We're going to have to clip it and put that on ESPN West Palm Play. <laughs> Evan Cohen from Unsportsmanlike joining us here on Levicka Theo and Stone in his weekly spot on Thursday afternoons. Uh, Evan, I do want to get to some other things. We could talk Belichick all afternoon. Probably for the rest of your, your life, you're going to be singing the praises of Bill Belichick. Can we talk about another head coach that's more of a, uh, let's just say, a little bit more divisive? We switch over to basketball. Doc Rivers being the consultant to the Bucks, consulting them, letting them know they should get rid of Adrian Griffin and hire him. How do you kind of digest all of that? And now that the Bucks have their newfound roster with their newfound coach, what do you feel about the Milwaukee Bucks going forward? I, I don't think it's fair to characterize him as consulting them to get rid of Adrian Griffin. I don't oh, think he had okay. anything to do with that. No, I'm telling you. You, Evan, you should have heard. You should have heard Ken and Theo yesterday talking <laughs> well, about he's dirty macking, well, and they're just dogging him until the show wrapped. It was still fresh news I mean, okay. when we were on air, Evan. We had just in the middle of our show, we realized that Doc Rivers. The report came out that Doc Rivers had been hired in mid-December as a consultant, and out of nowhere, Adrian Griffin. I mean, it's not out of nowhere. We saw the struggles. We saw the uh, conflict between the stars and the coach. But then it is just, I mean, is it a coincidence that the consultant becomes the head coach a month and a half after he's hired to help the organization make decisions? Um, so uh, yeah, that's just not what happened. <laughs> like, that's just not at all. So how do you digest but, it? Um, well, I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> Giannis hired the coach. Giannis fired the coach. <laughs> that, that's what happened. <laughs> I mean, Giannis wanted Adrian Griffin to be his guy. Giannis and the team realized this guy can't coach this team right now. And Doc Rivers is the single best available coach that they could hire immediately. That's it. Mm. That's it. Like, was Doc around the team? Uh, no. Was Doc around decision makers at times? Uh, a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. Yeah, he was. Um, I don't know that he actually was formally hired. So when you, I, and I'm pretty sure it was Griffin that actually brought him in initially. So I don't think it's – is it as clean as Doc Rivers would want you to believe? No. Is it as dirty as, it as, dirty as you guys just portrayed it? No. <laughs> Definitely not. Now, I say this because Giannis came out after uh, last night's win, and he said that he was surprised at Adrian Griffin's firing. So, I mean, I, I guess I, I got to take your word for it that Giannis is either lying to me or um, or maybe he's just saying the right things in the aftermath yeah, he's of it. dropping quotes like, I trust the ownership decision. Yeah. I mean, they've never done me wrong in the past. Do you think LeBron was – do you think LeBron <laughs> – what was LeBron's quote when Black got fired? He was much, oh, I'm shocked. I couldn't yeah. believe it. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's one of those kinds of things. It's like, you. I think star athletes have become amazing at plausible deniability. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, so Giannis, what do you think about Griffin? He's like, cool, like, um, what do you want for lunch? Like, no, no, I'm asking you, what do you think about Adrian Griffin? Like, yeah, I got a dentist appointment coming up this week. Oh, okay, got it, got it. Like, I never said he was bad, right? Like, you never answered the question, right? And I think it's one of those kinds of things because I think that 
I did. I give the Milwaukee Bucks a ton of credit for what they did. It is really hard to publicly admit you are wrong about something as quickly into something you spend millions on as they did. Nobody is saying that Adrian Griffin can't coach basketball, right? But the because I don't know if he can or can't. Now the Bucks the Bucks run would indicate he can in the regular season, but they assume it's not right for the postseason. So. I would look at this and I would say, it is so hard to say, you know what? We got this wrong. We're going to rip it off right now instead of waiting till later. That's really, really difficult. Now, does it have to work? Yes. Is it championship or bust? I think so. Did they get a coach that is known for his championship or bust mentality? Obviously not. Mm. But who else are you going to get at this time in midway through the season like this? That's true. That's the whole point. Evan, I want to ask you you this. For as much flack as we've already given Doc, right? We've seen the memes. It seems like social media is taken as a joke, right? The eliminated already in 2024 postseason. Like, we make fun of Doc for not being able to get it done in the postseason, but why will this work? Why is this, from an X's and O's perspective, why is this good for the Bucks? Because I feel like everything's been negatively connotated when it comes to Doc and now the Bucks. But, like, why would this work for Dame and Giannis in the squad? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and break down the Bucks X's and O's. I would do it more this way in terms of big picture. Uh, so I'm going to answer your question, Stone, with the question. Mm. Is Giannis one of these guys that you think in sports could be a chip on his shoulder, I have something to prove yes. to myself, and I'm going to bleep everybody out there and figure out a way of shutting everybody up? Absolutely. Like is, is, is Absolutely. he a Mahomes? Is he a Lamar? Is he a Brady? If you see him as that guy, that's, I know simplifying it, but that is the reason that you would argue it's going to work. Is that like you're talking about a guy that's a, multi, a two-time MVP and a champion who's in the prime of his career voluntarily adding more pressure to himself? Do you see him as a guy that's going to say, screw it, I got this? And if your answer is yes, then that is why it's going to work. Beautifully put. I, I do see Giannis as that kind of guy. And and though me and Ken joked about the Doc Rivers effect and why the Heat should feel better about their chances this postseason, that is what scares me the most. They still got Giannis. They still got Dame. Evan, you were far from annoying today. I appreciate you pulling up on us, Doc. So that's, this is interesting. Normally I'm annoying. Today I wasn't. What's the difference? Who's not here? Oh, there's, a common, oh, there's a common denominator. Wow. Ken LaVica mm. has always mm. been to blame. <laughs> Actually, Who thought? Evan, let me ask you that before we before we get you out of here. Yeah. Seriously, Ken said that he's, and I think he was serious when he said this, Theo. Correct me if I'm wrong. Ken said he's never felt more confident about the Heat than he does right now yes. because of the Doc Rivers hiring yes. in Milwaukee. Would you agree with that statement or no? It's one of the dumbest statements I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to play that back for Ken. Evan, thanks for your time again, Doc. Enjoying your lunch. See you guys. Thank you. That's Evan Cohen from Unsportsmanlike with Michelle Smallman and Chris Canty, 6 to 10 a.m. every weekday here on ESPN 106.3. We'll have to ask this next guest coming out of the break uh, his opinion on if Giannis is that kind of guy to carry the chip on his shoulder. We got Jamal Collier, ESPN NBA reporter out of the Midwest. He covers the Bulls. He covers the Bucks. He covered that upset series that the Heat won over the Bucks last year. We'll see his thoughts on the direction of the Bucks and the Heat's chances following the Doc Rivers hiring. It's LaVica Theo and Stone on ESPN 106.3.